I bought a small property in Yarmouth and renovated it and I had a store. And a woman came into my shop and she asked me to come to her house because she said she wants her house to feel like the inside of my store. And hmm. that, just that one woman, that one comment, hmm. and she said, I love coming here because I can get a little something for myself and a little something for my soul, she said. And I was like, well, there must be something to that. Welcome to Architecture, Design, and Photography. Today, we're speaking with Nicole Manganello, owner and principal designer of Nicola's Home in Yarmouth, Maine, who's doing very, very well in business. You seem to be from, from the outside, and you can tell outside, us more about that, yeah. but seems to be doing very well. Um, I've shot some of your stuff, and it all is very, very rich in a, in a like, it's very experiential, um, and it just, so obvious that someone's put so much thought into all these pieces that sing a harmony together that I'm my personal taste goes towards a stark minimalism mm -hmm. and it's very rare that I can interact with something as rich as what you do and uh -huh. be able to appreciate it uh -huh. and I think that richness takes more talent than the stark in some ways well I that's an that's an interesting take on that. Because I, you have so many more pieces to, to communicate, yeah. and if less one's is, off, tune, less is more. And I think it's I think it's harder to achieve that look. The it, the minimalist look. Yeah, I think it's. Hard I wonder to if make it's it, because you naturally go towards the more rich, and you just can. It's yeah. your natural talent, and I I think that going minimalist is easier because I can because I can do it. Yeah, and it's what appeals to me emotionally. Yeah. So I wonder, like, because I hear people say that less is more and it's harder because there's fewer pieces so you have to have more thought and more precision in that piece but i don't yeah i can hear people say that but i don't feel it i think i lean more towards the more just because it, it sort of envelops you a little bit more i'm, yeah. I'm into comfort it's a and, warmer blanket right yeah. right broken in things and i tend to lean towards having those things that i love around me and so it just kind of makes the space more comfortable for me. Right. And I think people that hire me probably feel the same way, you know? Right. So it's like. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they, they, yeah. I, re I recently did a project with um, Kevin Brown and it was a contemporary house, which was, which was a stretch for me, but I loved doing it. It was challenging. Really? Yeah, very challenging. Okay, let me get through this intro. Yeah, I know. Talk about that. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, don't miss Nicole Mangano's design theory in the upcoming March issue, 2023 issue of Maine, April, March, April. I am so good at intro. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, knocking this one out of the park. March, April, 2023 issue of Maine Home Design. Thank you for coming into the studio today on this incredibly hot November yeah. day. What What's the date today? Like the fifth or sixth, somewhere in there? I think so. Yeah. And it's hot. It's like it almost is. 80 out. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, whatever. But anyways... We'll get to these questions later. So mm -hmm. you naturally gravitate towards a very rich aesthetic and you're hyper talented at what you do. Oh, thanks. And I gravitate towards this minimalist aesthetic and, I, and I'm not an interior designer and I'm, I'm not talented at that. And, and I but it's it's what like when I go into a place that's stark minimal. Yeah. It's like my baseline of like, this is me. Yeah. yeah. And but there's also like the ones I go into that are rich, that are not done well, just mm -hmm. they sing in such disharmony so mm -hmm. much harder. 
Yeah. But then the ones that I've been in that are yours are like, oh, okay. So maybe I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> like if I was married to someone who really wanted that and could produce it in our home, right. I'd be like, I right. got this. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. But so you did a minimalist home recently or I more did. minimalist. Yes. I'd love yeah. to hear about that. Well, we took a, uh, it was a more traditional sort of colonial style home. Mm -hmm. And it was like traditional in the front party in the back kind of thing going on. <laughs> so it, when they wanted it to nice. be, they wanted it to be unexpected off the backside. And so it was contemporary. So they hired Kevin Brown as the architect and me as the interior designer. Oh, I think I've seen uh, photos of the back of that home. I don't, there... I don't, we haven't shot it yet. Oh, okay, he's, okay. he's done this before, I think, which right. is why I think they, they hired him because yep. I think he, I think he's very good at it. Um, but he also was a great collaborator. Um, we drew the interior fit up, which is a little bit what's unusual about Nicola's home as we do interior architecture as well. So, mm -hmm. um, it was more of a collaborative effort, which was, he was a pleasure to work with, but it, it helped me sort of stretch into that comfort zone for me which mm. is you know minimal design you know right so it's like and the the husband it was sort of husband and wife they wanted he wanted contemporary she wanted more what i brought to the table because i did a, a home one of her older homes for her mm. and she and so it was trying to blend that contemporary with the warmth of the type of style that i like to do right. and i think it i mean at some point we've gonna Maybe we have to have you shoot this one. Hey, like, be all over. <laughs> so you just let me know. Yeah. Uh, so how how were those interactions, those moments? What did they look like? Where and how did you manage the like? All right, I'm going. I'm gonna. I'm gonna move the slider on the gradient from rich to more minimal. How did yeah. you do that while keeping Nicola Manganello's right aesthetic in there? I think it had to do more with. Uh, there's a lot of plaster we did a, a sort of what they call level five finish in the sheetrock plaster world I've seen so those i know a lot recently yeah those. so it's sort of a plaster finish which which sort of undulates white is you know it's not just it's just not white there's many levels of right. white so um but it it was like plaster walls and then where we did use wood it was done in a very warm way you know, so we brought a lot of white oak in, but we treated it very differently and we layered in washes on it. And it was just sort of how we did all the woodwork off of the white is what made it. Mm. And then giving space for artwork and things that would help add character and color, you know, furniture, furnishings. How and did things the like, that. like the floors and the wall treatment in a space like that? How how'd that end up? We did we did sort of a, a washed white oak, but we on sort the floor? of floor? Yeah, on the floor. Now a washed white oak, is that like a kind of like that grayish kind of this one's more warm, I think. Okay. So this was a more warm the whole house ended up being much warmer than I think we had intended it to be, which was which is which was welcoming to everybody. Mm -hmm. It evolved, you know. It was in a it was it was a process. We did the job with Wright Ryan. They're fabulous to work with. So it was always good that they, what I love about working with them on building projects is they, they sort of give you examples of everything. That, so it's like you have an idea, they mock it up. And that's kind of a nice thing mm, to be, for, right, for, right. For, for, for owners who they're not like us, you know, we see things, you know, 
before they're done. We right. know what we want them to be. Yeah, we can envision, a, you know, yeah. and so that sort of, you know, effort is, it's more expensive, mm -hmm. but really helpful to the homeowner. So, so especially my, when you're trying to talk them into doing something sure. that they are like, you know, not into so much. Right. Yeah. So it, it's become a pretty intense fascination of mine to understand uh, what creativity is and, mm -hmm. and how that process works mm -hmm. for different people and what part of the process they find their identity in. It's, it's kind of my belief that the whole, the whole of society and humanity participates mm -hmm. in creativity, mm -hmm. that there's parts of the process that, that people like myself or like you or architects or yeah. artists or anything else, um, they have a far more open disposition just in general to experience that that is doing some sort of infill of a map of reality that they're able to reference mm -hmm. in solving problems for people who don't, do not relate to the world as a map of reality that's filled in with experience that they can then reference yeah. to connect A to B in problem solving and give them the solution. Yeah. To me, there, there's this odd thing like with photography, you're just setting up a camera and you're pointing it at something, you light it and you move on. There's kind of this idea that that's just what happens from the perspective yeah. of the photographer because you're so immersed in that process that you kind of think like I'm I'm a hack and anyone's going to be able to do this. And pretty soon everyone else is going to learn that you can do this and mm -hmm. the uh, pay for photographers is going to take a dive. So all the technical stuff is getting better. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. This imposter syndrome that yeah. for me is, is a real thing that I personally struggle with. But then I realize when I try and describe what I'm doing, the, the depth and the intricacy of it and the interconnectedness yeah. and all of my life experience that that uh feeds into those decisions that are made and and why I make those decisions yeah and there's that part that the more open and drawn to the novel as a psych psychological disposition when i interact mm -hmm. with something that is new to me mm -hmm. i experience a positive emotional reaction other people when they uh interact with something new their first reaction is one of maybe defense or mm -hmm. maybe to think I don't know what this is. We need to assess it before we just walk into it right. and experience it or whatever else. And I find that the people who are doing the actual uh, objectifying of experience or objectifying of chaos into some kind of order that they can hand to a client. Mm -hmm. So the more minimalist house you had, it challenges you to operate in a little bit different manner than you taught. Mm -hmm. Like I designed the house and I do the interior and mm -hmm. it is fully Nicola Manganello. This mm -hmm. is easy for you at this point, I imagine. Like you can stamp these things out if you phone it in. And if you right, phone it in, right. it's still going to look like an incredible Nicola Manganello home. You know right. how to do that time right. and time and time again. Right. The danger is that you just start to do that and you just run your brand into the ground. Is like, this yeah. is all I can do. Yeah. But if yeah. you're if you keep interacting with that novel, it, yeah. it can grow and change and it can start to take on these more, you know, minimalist forms mm -hmm. that might work well, but still have that flavor. Um, but that those who have that experience psychologically mm -hmm. have that ability to pull um, references from just an infinite amount of interactions that they've had throughout their life to inform why they're making these creative decisions. To, to me, this is how I'm understanding it. Is, mm -hmm. Does any of that 
land with you and, and connect and, totally. and help yeah, you. Yeah, no, I, I well not help said, you as much, by the way. but like, <laughs> yeah, no, does I, it, does it like, bing, yeah. these are bells going off and I'm seeing that too? I think you or? can, you can totally tell sort of this, uh, a phoned in as you state, um, Cause I can design. phone things in now. Yeah. No, you, and I think that. And it's a, it's a weird experience to get there yeah, because from the beginning, you've been it was doing so it stressful. for so long, right. you have all this experience to pull on yeah. and you know, no, no idea is like completely unique, you know? So it's like, it's, it's pieces of things I've mm -hmm. seen in the past that I, I'm like, oh, I love that, that, and that. And you take it and you, you know, so it's sort of like borrowed, if you will, you know, but at the same time, they're not all phoned in moments. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's like at the last second of the decision made, there's something new that's happening. Right. You know, it's, it's coming together new for this client with, and I think what, if you're, you know, good at what you do, you're helping them envision and see their home as it's going to be when it's completed. But, you know, I mean, they want it to represent their personality too, mm -hmm. which is what makes it completely, for me, a new experience because everyone's different and right. they're all their homes. They want it to reflect their own family function, personality, you know? So it's like that to me is a, a brand new experience every time. Mm -hmm. What doesn't change every time is how you have to manage expectations right. and and help them both get on the same page if there's two people. Usually I'm working for two people building a home or designing a home. Sometimes uh, I've done some commercial, but that's a little... I bet it's a lot easier yeah, designing and I, building a home for a single person. Yeah, <laughs> it it is. It is because there's mm -hmm. only one one person to right. convince to do something but sometimes it's like being a therapist you know a little bit there's a, there's a I lot of that imagine how much an interior designer or an architect has to go yeah. through with yeah. even like the guys running the paint counter at home depot yeah <laughs> <It was> a, <sighs> yeah. Okay. yeah yeah no it is it's a well it's your home it's a very personal space yep. and, and they're going to be in it for a long time usually these homes Oftentimes, I always hear the client, this is our forever home, you know, so that's a long, that's yeah. a, that's a lot of responsibility, right, you know, right. so. So with people that you've shared spaces with long term, mm -hmm. how, how has this, see, from a, from a uh, traditional point of view, the woman decorates the home, the man pays for it. This is, <laughs> this is a traditional view, right? Yes. Yeah. I am not. A traditional man. Mm -hmm. I have much more of an aesthetic opinion, and I have very feminine goals uh -huh. and for my life uh, that are more relationally oriented. Okay. Which, which I'm, that's just who I am. Yeah, like, that's what I'm working towards. Yeah. I want, um, and I don't find as solid uh, emotional income from my identity for what I actually do for work as mm. much as some other people might. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say it's right or wrong. It's just where I fall on the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so when it comes to my home, I'm I'm not the husband who is like, sweetie, if that's what you want, I, I don't care. That's great. Yeah. I'm I'm like, no, no, no. This needs yeah. to be over here and right. that needs to be over there. Right. Now, my wife is not as much the female that has to have it her way, but yeah. she definitely uh, does not appreciate just being pushed over by highly critical yeah. and driven trend. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so that's made a lot of issues far. Luckily, we're, we're both pretty much on the same minimalist 
yeah. thing to to a large degree. Yeah. Um, but when there, you know, it, it it can start to for her, it can start to feel like this is just not my home. Yeah. You just control everything, and yeah, and, yeah. And so, from your perspective, have have you ever run into that issue as far as this is my home, and I am the incredibly well known Nicola Manganello, and you will accept <laughs> what I design into here? Because I've talked to other architects and everything else. Yeah. Who's who are like they're at home like. I'm so and so, and I'm yeah. designing this, and you're telling me it's wrong, and you have no training, and yeah, it's yeah. an interesting dynamic. Yeah, you know? no, it is. I mean, from working with clients in their homes to, you know, a renovation I just recently did on my own home, you know, I mean, I think that it's a times have changed significantly because I am working for a lot of couples where. The, the woman is actually paying the bills mm -hmm. uh, and and he's actually it's like reverse roles. Oftentimes when I'm this is happening, it seems like their responsibilities inside of their relationship are are reversed a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. So the decision making is also a little reversed. It seems yep. more so that that way. I mean, oftentimes I'm working for people that are both hugely successful and are bringing strong dynamics to the table and strong opinions. And, you know, I think, I feel like at this point after doing it, and I'll just say over 25 years, we won't have to say just leave it like how that. much <laughs> over, but you know, that you, that was the hardest thing for me was coming to the table with people that were successful in their own right mm -hmm. and convincing them of something that I believed in. That was mm. the, that was, I had to be, um, definitive in my decision-making this, this took a long time for me, you so know? So inter interacting with mm -hmm. high, high level position yeah. people that are in a high management or ownership CEO type yeah. of, to present design ideas, you had to be just as yes. aggressive in many ways as them yes. or yeah, basically, I yeah. think it's like. It was something I had to learn to overcome. Do you and, had to like match their confidence in a way? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Which was not at all my my thing. The, like I've come to recently realize there's a lot I really it it upsets me that the word appropriation has such a bad connotation. Mm -hmm. Because for one, I'm a highly open person as a psychological disposition, but I was raised in a highly conservative mm -hmm. which, aka conscientious yeah. uh religious culture and you know in general uh temperance type of society mm -hmm. right yeah and i appropriated to my way of doing things all these conscientious ways of behavior so yeah you wake up early you you have to-do lists you get things done and these were not my nature yeah but through just uh appropriating them over time through mm -hmm. that culture in many ways, it's it's the combination of those things that I think has helped make me able to achieve what I've wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. Now, if I were more naturally conscientious and I were, you know, just these two, you know, raving uh, liberal artist parents, right? Have yeah. this kid that comes out and he's like tucking his shirt in every day and cleaning his room <laughs> in the morning before he leaving, making his bed, you know. And they were looking at this kid like, whose kid is this? This is weird. But yeah. if that kid had that personality, but then also was able to appropriate these more liberal or open ways of looking at things, mm -hmm. the 
changing your perspective to understand things more, yeah. involving yourself in new experiences to fill out your understanding of the world to mm -hmm. gain more wisdom in that way. That would be an appropriation mm -hmm. of something that's, you know, you did not form this. It's not natural to you. Yeah. But you say this is a value and I will use it mm -hmm. in the same way. Your your natural personality was not I'm not going to come with all this confidence and like, ah, yeah, blah, 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 yeah. Blah, blah. But you yeah. have to like, all right, this is how this guy plays his game and he's not going to change it or she's not going to change it for interacting mm -hmm. with me. Yeah. I'm going to have to change my game to operate with them. And you're going to have to sense that and change it. Yeah. That's interesting. No, it's and it's it comes up actually in every job. Yeah. And it, in some way, it's revisiting that moment in the past for me when I it was like a light bulb moment where I'm like, I have to get on the same level somehow. Mm. What is that? They've hired me to do a job. So I have to go back in my head. It's like, they, they think I'm talented enough to do their house. So right. they've hired me to do it. Now they have to let me do my job. So, okay. You know, so then there's that. So there's kind of, is it, are you saying that there's just that expectation? These people are going to, uh, they're just going to open the coffers and their decision making yeah. is going to be off and, that's never and the case. You realize, yeah, right. oh, yeah. no, that's never the case. They're, they challenge, you know, they're always challenging what you're bringing to the table. Uh -huh. Um, and you, and you have to like find new ways of expressing, you know, now we can render a room to look completely realistic before we even build it, right. you know? So it's like these tools to convince them of your vision. Helpful. Not everyone can do it, but you know, I, I think that it's over time, you know, just for like new designers, the confidence you build with both good and bad experiences. Oh, bad experiences and are the best. Those are the ones you learn the most from. Yeah. And they're, you know, and it's, and it can, for some people, it's devastating. I know why people change directions in life and careers mm. because, it, you know, some things can seem like, you know, one day to be devastating. Yeah. Criticism. Just oh, failure, yeah. financial or otherwise. You know, I mean, it's like you've got to like work through those things. Hmm. It's it's not given. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why not? Hey, so what's <laughs> the hardest thing you've gone through that has made you stronger on the other side of it that, that you've been able to get past? Um, oh, that's a that's a loaded question. I know, That's right? That's why I You're paused like, before. I was like, yeah, why not? I, yeah, why not? Um, let me share mine. Yeah, me, you start. And then I, I, I think I know which one it is for me. But. I'm a selfish a-hole and I can be <laughs> horrible to live with. And when I don't want to, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I'm arrogant. Mm -hmm. In, and I'm, I'm opinionated. I'm arrogant. I'm critical. And I, and and I I know that I have some intelligence and talent mm -hmm. and it it it's not easy to 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 step back from that and be humble mm -hmm. and not think of myself constantly and and that pushed my that pushed my marriage to a breaking point because mm -hmm. of my lack of in some ways there's intelligence can uh, if if. If you can't get out of your own way, that intelligence becomes like a gravitational force that just turns you into a black hole. Yeah. It, it, there's a difference between intelligence and the humility that can bring wisdom that 
that the intelligence there's like intelligence is a engine or gas and then wisdom is the opposite and mm -hmm. they have to work together through experience and humility and everything else and it was not until i kind of realized so i interviewed a guy and he had said you can really tell a lot about yourself through the the you know the the faces of those who are closest to you and as I watched the faces of those closest to me, I was causing them a lot of uh, anxiety and pain and everything else just yeah. with my lack of self-awareness of like, you might not always be right, you know, like, yeah. and, and to actually accept that about yourself um, was like the hardest thing I'd had to go through, which yeah. is really sad at some point, but really lucky for me at some point, yeah. right? yeah. And I look at other people who actually had a really difficult life and mm -hmm. how they're able to be who they are mm -hmm. is, is just awe-inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, but to come to that point where I had to realize, like, you might need to think a lot less of yourself and <laughs> start using some humility and start, like, trying to meet the needs of other people before you're demanding that your own are met. Yeah. There, there's a lot there that I still, like... Yeah, I'm sure even just yesterday that <laughs> I was, you know, um, but I will say that the ability to accept those things about myself mm -hmm. has like it it's it's made whatever ability for insight I have to reach mm -hmm. so much further because I'm not my own way as much and watching the people around you improve because of reining yourself in and and not being that person yeah has has it's just made life so much more worth living and yeah. better for those who are closest to me yeah but that process of like oh, i'm a piece of shit <laughs> like you have to like there's a you have to like really embrace that sometimes yeah not to your like demise and lack of confidence mm -hmm. but to say I'm I'm arrogant and confident because of these reasons that are uh, positives that yeah. are turning you into having these negatives of arrogance and overconfidence. Yeah. Now, okay, you have some talent and ability here, but if you don't realize that you also have this here, it just it means that you're going to be imbalanced in some way. Mm -hmm. And those things down here, you need to pay, these are the things you need to pay attention to because yeah. they're the the balancing effect of this in a way, and you've got to bring this up which you're not losing these things, but they do need to be balanced in some way. And yeah. that, that for me uh, is just being able to get out of my own way that, that kind of like everything started to be more, more able to, to perceive the truth of things, yeah. having not constantly putting myself at the center of everything, which is hard though, because yeah. all you have is the central thing of whatever you is. <laughs> yeah. Which... Well, it's like control. I mean, you know, I think in the creative world, we control a lot of Like just last creativity. week, I yeah. told my wife, I was like, I think you have like a lot of control issues. And I got on the phone <laughs> and I was like, how do I identify <laughs> she control? She must have loved hearing that. <laughs> and I looked it up and I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sweetie, I looked it up and yeah. <laughs> I've got control issues. <laughs> and it's just like, but yeah. I knew as soon as I saw it, I yeah. could not share that information with her. Yeah. And I could just leave that earlier a-hole comment with her. Yeah. Or I could say like, all right, I'm sorry. It, yeah. It looks like I might be the one that has more yeah. control. You might have some. Let's not let you. Yeah. But I, I think, can see I this think in myself. I think creative people 
probably have the most issue with control. I mean, I think. Now why is that? I know. Well, I mean, I think that um, it's environmental. There's something about um, certainly things I get involved with uh, planning anything. It wouldn't mm -hmm. matter what it was, a trip, a wedding, a house, it, it, you know, mm -hmm. it's a control, you right. know, it's because. Is it hard for you to go into something and just let things go as they go? It, oh, yes. Really? Very. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm driven. Mm -hmm. I, I want to succeed at everything I do. Or, or if I'm a part of a team, I want to, I want to be the best I can be in that environment with every, you know, so it's mm -hmm. always a, you know, it's uh, to me, it does kind of come down to control. I think I've had the hardest time, but got the greatest growth out of letting go of it. Hmm. And with my own team at work, you know, the more I delegate, right. Which is not a natural thing for me to do. It's hard, very hard. <clears throat> but I've gotten the the most growth out of my company and the people that work for me have risen to be better at what they do. Mm. And then I can see it right, when right. I let them do it. And I have to keep reminding myself of that. It not only makes my life easier, go figure, you know, but it's it's actually more fun and right. it's it's created a much better work environment. So it's but it's not something I do with ease, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, so it's a learned thing. Yeah. So I would think a person who's, and I would, I would not, I have a hard time pinning the individuals that come up with the ideas and the creations as the creatives. Mm -hmm. I want to say that everyone's creative in their own way. And I think they are, mm -hmm. but I think there's kind of like different levels of like, foundationally there's people who are oriented towards anything novel is of interest mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. uh and then uh, on the other spectrum for the highly conscientious people are are marked by if they interact with something that is reliable uh, repetitive um established been around forever mm -hmm. it gives them a positive emotional uh reaction because they're interacting with safety and reliability. Mm -hmm. And as a, con as a conscientious or conservative individual, your, um, your purpose and drive is towards mm -hmm. maintaining the precious things that have been established that give us all the ability to have a system that works for us as we move forward. Mm -hmm. The more open-minded liberal creatives, if you want to call them that type, are always looking to progress. Yeah. So they're kind of criticizing what's established mm -hmm. and trying to improve it. And if you don't have those things working together, mm -hmm. it goes wildly wrong in either direction. Right. And that's, that, that's what's so scary to me about the current political situation is because there's such a lack of grace towards the, the opposite mm -hmm. that it's such a lack of wisdom to think that like we should all be liberal or we should all be conservative right. to not realize like you're the ones that are going to progress us further. And we're the ones that are going to maintain everything that keeps us alive. Yeah. Look, like if we don't have this part, it's back to like walking around the forest, shooting things you can eat. And like <laughs> right. my job and your job are out there. No, who cares? Right. We're digging caves and ground. And yeah. And it's like this. I don't know why these things can't more, uh, more accurately see the value in each other and work together. And, and 
it seems like those sides should mostly be criticizing themselves mm -hmm. and then attempting to come together for the safest middle of the road thing. I have no idea how I started that sentence and where I was going, <laughs> but it's so fun to just end up in the middle of yeah, nowhere. Right. That's, that's the that's the open-minded way of going. And so you you end. It's funny in a conversation. I just kind of go like this. And I'm like, I don't know where that goes. But. Well, it's 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 the temperature out there right now. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's blame the, it on the heat. Yeah, I mean, it's both sides have just lost their minds. I think it's really been. It's Why? something to watch. I mean, it's 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 sad it's at the so same time. It's scary at the same time. It's very scary for the I mean, future. We're we're yeah. of an age where we grew up mostly in the nineties. We'll yeah. And to see the vast change from like not having smartphones or anything else to like you had you had a secret life that only you and like a hundred people knew about. Yeah. And if you anyone knew anything about yeah. you beyond those hundred people. You were famous, kind yeah, of. Yeah. And now it's just like everyone's secret diary is no longer. It's just yeah. everything's out there all yeah. the time. And it's just different, this yeah. different climate of society and how we show value and, and control each other and selves and everything else that. There's too much importance on it. I mean, social media is, um, I think in business, they've made it necessary. I mean, I. Oh, we, yeah. I'm older than you, Trent, but I, <laughs> but I feel like I missed it. I I missed it and had to figure it out. Yeah, because it wasn't, you know, something that when I started my business that, you know, I mean, the best we could do is be published in Maine Home and Designer. Right. You know, I mean, forget about documenting your every day, your every move, and and honestly, again, it kind of reverts back to control sharing all your professional secrets. Right. Which is really what is what's going to make people follow you more is to open up, share all your sources, all your secrets and and that's how you Yeah. You know, and that that's another thing that you have to have confidence in what you do and that what right. you do is unique because you do have to do that now. I have to go on Instagram and do videos of how I do certain things or give away certain, my favorite paint colors, or all these things that I've spent years, right. you know, or come curating. Talk yeah. to some whack job <laughs> and you know. But I mean, it's like, that's that's what people want. And and they don't want to pay for it. They just, they want to, they want. Yeah. So you have to sort of deliver some of that. But I've found in doing that, um, it it forces me to come up with new stuff that I have to, try out and create and mm. build mm. because you know people will copy and do what you do or try right. to you know but i'm okay with that i think it's the biggest form of flattery you know right. i mean it's like it's it's just a compliment that people are trying to build the same kind of houses or design the same kind of rooms i love seeing that kind of stuff right and then i just said well it's time for me to change stuff up and let's try something different and you know, and, and that's been, that's the challenge. Actually, my dad said, it was something about like on 88, there's a lot of white houses with black windows and these certain kind of doors and everything. And, and he's like, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, well, I, yeah, I have to figure something new out. You know, I mean, it's like, 
yeah. in the area at one point in time, certain things were unique and now they're not. So you've got to evolve. Right. And See that that's interesting. Like as a photographer, you don't want to give up like this is how I light or this is how I do post-production yeah. or this is how or this, you know, and same thing. Like it sounds like as an interior designer, traditionally in the past, you'd have like these are my sources and yeah, and I can't reveal those to everyone because then everyone can go again. I'm in the same way photographers like I can't show you how I do my post-production because then everyone will do it yeah. and then everyone will look the same and they won't look. But yeah, in this, in like you said, in this environment now, it it demands uh, it demands progression more than it did in the past. Yeah. I think there was more of an ability to establish yourself and phone it in for 20 years yeah. because I don't think the rate of change was as intense probably. Yeah. Now yeah. with the highly connective tissue of social media between us all, yeah. that that creative turnaround, the changes of trends and styles and everything else is probably mm -hmm. ramping up, I'd yeah. imagine. And yeah. it just requires then it if you're if you're going to be someone who's uh out relevant. there doing it yeah. and relevant. Yeah. You yeah. have to be riding the, the edge of that yep. wave in a sense and yeah. uh and continuing to produce. So sharing those things is is a way of ingratiating people to you, if that's the right word. You know, yeah. as a as an audience that is essentially new marketing in a way. Yeah. That you're getting the word out there and you know, this is how I do it. But they'll never be able to replicate the the personality the mind and the talent of nicole manganello yeah. you know or and you. that's I mean, where you have to yeah. come back to and it's yeah. like yeah if if it's still that's your eye not define yeah it's me. still your eye it's it's still those decisions you're making that right. you can't you you can't teach that to you know you're it's your own personal innate style mm -hmm. that you can certainly Try to, you know, and that's really what social media is. Let's try to teach them how we're doing it. Little, you know, bow, bow, bow on, right. you know, certain moments of a interior design room. But, you know, it's your own eye that really is your brand. Right. You know? Yeah. So it, it's interesting to me. I, I wonder if you've experienced this. I'll, I'll have people tell me like, oh, as soon as I saw that image, I knew that was yours. <laughs> And I kind of like, I can't identify my own images really from other people. I mean, really? in that, yeah. like, I see this style. I mean, I know the image because I took it. Like, right. I can look at the millions of photos I've taken by now and I know every single one. It's only recently that I've gotten such a amount of images that I've taken that I'm getting to where, where was that? Okay. Yeah. Like before, as always, it's just, I knew where they were and what it was, but I can't necessarily um articulate why th this this is my look it's just that's how i do that yeah and i can i can struggle and and i become a lot better at articulating why i would move mm -hmm. the camera a certain direction and all the conflicts that would yeah. arise or why i would light this way and tim has taken over all the post production and i kind of is, am an aesthetic designer from outside mm -hmm. and he's really creating the final uh image out of that but I can articulate in the moment why mm -hmm. I would do this, that, or the other, but I, I've never been one who can feel that like, oh, that's one of my images, or that looks like one of my images. I'll see an image and I'll think that's mm. done well, uh, but other, it's interesting. I I wish I could experience what other people experience because I could yeah. see a Nicola Magnello home and know it immediately. I think when 
I heard something really interesting this morning, and um, it was a. Well, now I'm about to hear something. I know, I know. It, <laughs> it really made. I think when I when I I say that it's interesting, it's because it made me stop and think. So I found it interesting, but and it was a woman talking about jealousy, mm. and she was talking about how people react when they see certain things. So for us, it would be something visual. So for me to see someone else's work, and if I instantly have this sort of feeling of. Uh, envy or yeah. jealous like they've they did something very interesting yeah but what they're saying is not you know that that feeling is just like that it's there's a moment of growth there like you're you're not mm -hmm. jealous of them but they've they're doing something that that appeals to you right. so it's not you know it's like it's how you think about it differently so it's like when i see other people's work that i Sometimes the first reaction is, oh, you know, I wish I got published in that magazine, you know, yeah, 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 or yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? 100%. It's like, or my work's as good as that work, you know, whatever. Yeah. But that's not, you know, it's, it kind of comes out immediately as jealous. It really made me like think about things completely different this morning. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. wow, that's, it's, it's the truth of when you see work that um, rivals yours or you maybe can't tell, you know, the lighting is just as good in this as some of the stuff I've done, you know, mm. then you're like, the, there's that moment of like, it kind of comes up in me yeah. in that way a little bit. So I, there was a penthouse that we shot in Boston, mm. um, some, you know, crazy head fund managers mm -hmm, kind of place. Mm -hmm. Insane. It's like on the top of one of the very downtown buildings, it's yeah. top three floors. And it's, it's just amazing. Um, and I had shot the bathroom. It's this big kind of uh, one of those tubs standalone that has the big oh, arc yeah. to it, yeah. white kind of not yeah. porcelain, but not. It's some kind of um, plastic, good plastic, solid material. I don't yeah. know what it is, but yeah. And there's it's in a corner, and there's these two windows. And I saw the image, and I was like, "Oh, that's really nice. I, I did a good job." And then I realized someone else had shot it too. And I looked at their composition and then I went back and looked at mine and I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was better. Yeah. yeah. And like, oh, like, yeah, it's fear. It's anxiety. It's I, I didn't do my job well enough. Mm -hmm. It's it's all of those things. And it's imposter syndrome. It's mm -hmm. I'm never going to be successful because there's always going to be someone better than me. And if there's options yeah. that are better than me, they're going to choose them and I'm never going to work again. And <laughs> children yeah. i'm gonna have to work at 7-eleven yeah. until i can figure out like those are all things like it's when true. you're monetizing yeah. creativity as a sole entity entrepreneur it it's such a weird emotional dynamic because you're 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 selling your life experience objectified into that creation that you're giving them yeah and there's so much of your own emotion in it it's you're yeah. not an accountant that's reputation depends on did you count all the beans accurately mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's it's what you create and here's here's a really interesting thing that i'll bore you with <laughs> so when a the the essence of what a creative or an open person does mm -hmm. in relation to their society culture community you name it mm -hmm. um to create anything new, you have to go into the raw material zone of chaos mm -hmm. in a way. And I don't mean uh, post-apocalyptic war. I mean, <laughs> like, 
all right, here's tons of options. I have to relate yeah. to them all. And then I have to pull one of them in as an option that'll work. Yeah. That relating to everything, that's chaos. Mm -hmm. And what that means is I'm interacting with something where I do not understand the order or the relationships. Now mm -hmm. I have to experience it. Mm -hmm. I have to objectify it through my subjective experience into something that'll work to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. So you're leaving established order to go and interact with all the potential. And the potential is in chaos because yeah. that's not what or is ordered yet. Yeah. So you go into that and you say, here's these, 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 and these, these are going to work great for this home and this living room setting that they want or this photo or whatever. Yeah. So when you, when you take that same kind of thing and you apply it to a societal thing, right? There's mm -hmm. the established way of doing things. Think of it as a medieval city wall. Mm -hmm. uh, that city wall is built of bricks that were creations that, uh, open people have gone out into chaos and brought back something that said, mm -hmm. this will work great for organizing our society and community and everything mm -hmm. else. I present it to the whole. Do you think this is a good idea? And they mm -hmm. say that might be good for you, but it's not good for all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, feel free to hang it in your own home, but we're not putting it in the Louvre. Mm -hmm. And then you might come back with, here's an invention, here's mm -hmm. a home, here's anything. Mm -hmm. You're coming back to the establishment to say, can we add it to the wall that, mm -hmm. that helps maintain us all? Mm -hmm. And you could be coming back and saying, I've made a better brick for brick number 35B that's yeah. crumbling, right? Yeah. You're saying part of the wall is bad mm -hmm. and I need to replace it and I've done my work. Mm -hmm. So when those open people leave the established thing, Mm -hmm. They're shamed in, in many ways because you're leaving what is keeping everyone safe to go and produce something new to bring it back. Yeah. And the uh, ability or the risk in doing that is very high mm -hmm. because good luck finding something new that hasn't already been done or in that combination. Right. So as it relates to society, if we take this same process and apply it to society, mm -hmm. when you leave the establishment, everyone who doesn't leave with you kind of looks at you like you're not good enough for you this isn't good enough for you, y you are going into chaos and you might burn up in that chaos. Mm -hmm. This is dangerous. And so when you leave to go out and do that, it's not a direct one-to-one -one like society gets at the wall and says, you suck. Yeah. As much as they say, this yeah. is dangerous and what you're doing might not have a good return. Mm -hmm. So when I told my dad I was going to be a photographer, his reaction was to laugh and say, you can't support a family that way. Yeah. In the first year of business, I made more than him. <laughs> I rub his nose in it everywhere. But anyways, so that idea of if you're leaving what's established, it's dangerous to you. Yeah. It's a risk. Uh, but if you do it well, mm -hmm. when you return, if you do it well, the people that stayed say, holy cow, you yeah. did it. They bring you in. They put you on their shoulders yeah. and they pay you absorbently. As in they value whatever you did and they value you and you get rewarded for that. Mm -hmm. If you come back and you haven't been successful and it's burnt you up, yeah, they put your head on a spike outside the gate and yeah. they say, this person tried to go into chaos. We warned yeah. you about chaos. We have all our established norms that protect us. They do this kind of unwisely, but at the yeah. same time, yeah, don't do it because this is what happens to people that go into chaos. Yeah. Now, that's essentially what my dad was doing in that moment. He yeah. feared for me. Mm -hmm. And he said, you have to provide for a family now and you're going to go provide for a family out in chaos. Mm -hmm. That's going to burn you up. It's not reliable. You should get a job with someone who will give you a reliable pay, reliable 401k, and yeah. you'll be able to take care of your family. Yeah. I understand it. I get it. Now, the sad thing about that is when conscientious people 
leave the realm that we've created, yeah. all of us together. Yeah. When they leave that realm of order, they are usually leaving that realm of order to protect it, not to add to it as much mm -hmm. as to protect it. Mm -hmm. So they're leaving in the form of military uh, and police, typically, mm -hmm. or judges or things like that. Things mm -hmm. that say this is the value and mm -hmm. we will maintain and protect, right? Mm -hmm. When we send our conscientious people outside the wall, we do a lot of flag waving and fanfare and mm -hmm. say, thank you so much for your contribution, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And when they come back successfully, we give them a parade and we don't really pay them that much more. Mm -hmm. And when they come back missing an arm or dead, mm -hmm. we give them very minor compensation and say, thank you for your service and everything else. We give them a funeral and we move on. Yeah. I am rewarded so much more highly. You are rewarded mm -hmm. so much more highly because of the nature of what we do oddly mm -hmm. and how our society values it, which is, I don't necessarily understand the complete nature of that. That what yeah. we're doing is making something out of nothing. And the value that you and I get for doing that reflects the values of our society. Our mm -hmm. society mostly values adding to it mm -hmm. more than maintaining it at this point. Yeah. And I don't know if it's simply that it's a high risk, high reward proposition to try and create or to monetize creativity, mm -hmm. or if we were in a different society and a different age that the warrior class, the, the conscientious class was more rewarded like we currently reward creatives. Yeah. I don't know, but that, that's a weird kind of thing to realize that you're shamed when you leave and you're potentially really shamed when you return a failure. But if you return successful, your reward is through the roof. Mm. But for the conscientious, it's pretty much same when you leave, same when you come back. Yeah. Because you're 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 a you're a manager at that point rather yeah. than adding to it in a way. Now, if you don't take this as a metaphor, you could take what I'm saying very literally and mm -hmm. be very offended by it. But I'm trying to grasp on what our society mm -hmm values and why we as creatives are are valued in that way mm -hmm. it's why entrepreneurs that start businesses a lot of times are not really great at running businesses because to True. start something you have to have the vision and you have to take the risk and you have yeah. to be open to that but then to apply your energy to a now established order in the way that you would say i just drew this out yesterday it's so weird but if you apply energy through an order filter, you mm -hmm. get kind of a laser on the other side, uh -huh. right? Energy yeah. through order becomes a laser. Mm. Energy through a chaos filter mm. becomes this thing that's just... Yeah. But when I drew it out, I looked at it and I was like, well, that looks it's like a fiesta. Analogy. It looks like yeah. a party. Yeah. Well, what are people doing when they put that energy into a party? They're just releasing energy in this mm. chaotic way. And there's something about us that we need that, like, I just got to put out some energy right now in yeah. a, a non-aggressive, non-deterministic, just I got to, you know, yeah. for a bit. Yeah. And there's something to that. It's like a vacation in a way. And it's like you're letting the energy go through you and it's just kind of. But it's also that chaos is that chaos generation through energy it also produces the the relationship and the awareness mm -hmm. to then create another order filter that mm -hmm. you can put then more energy through to create that laser focus of nicola manganello's homes or trent yeah. bell photography yeah. but you've got to put that energy back through the chaos filter too because you have to create more perception more creativity to create this 
new, like, you know, more uh, minimalist home. Yeah. Like you applied your normal energy and you put it through a new filter. So mm -hmm. you had to, in some sense, put energy through the chaos filter yeah. to create more possibilities that then you applied to this much more minimalist thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm really on the edge of understanding <laughs> what I'm talking about here. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's deep stuff. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, you're talking about, you know, shame, you know, there's all, you know, there's, yeah. there's like, it, I mean, that's a huge, and where, how we got where we got, why are we rewarded for yeah. our, and, uh, you know, but I think that just as responsible humans in society, um, whether your success is, you know, emotional or monetary, you know, I mean, we have a responsibility, you know, mm -hmm. no matter what side we stand on, we have a responsibility to give back, whether it's, you know, with our efforts or, you know, with helping create something, helping build something that's, you know, maybe for the people that, that aren't as fortunate, you know, mm. and, and haven't been recognized. Well, that's all it is. You know, they've not been recognized for what they do bring to the table. Do, do you ever have thoughts of like, oh my goodness, what if I had to start over? Oh, God, every day. Do you think you could yeah. do it like at this age? And I, I say that in reference to myself because ah. okay? I, I think yeah. about how, how high the, it was a half court shot, you know, yeah. like to, to get from, I'm absolutely no one who's does, never even gone to photo school, doesn't even know how to put a lens on a camera body yeah. to, no, I'm going to support my family with that. Yeah. It's a half court shot. Yeah. And somehow it happened. And it, it always kind of freaks me out to think, why did it happen? Why? What was it about me that I was able to do that? What was it about my surrounding people? Like, well, I think if you if you really go back and think and look, it's probably we 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 forget what it took. And it took a lot of effort. Yeah. I mean, it took a lot. I mean, this is, you know, we're not both sitting here today because we didn't, you know. <laughs> We sat back and ate bonbons all day. You I know look I mean? back, though, We're and I think there was a appropriate level of irresponsibility that contributed to my success, honestly. Well, that's just because you're relating it to supporting your family, you know, and like, but you were, I think what's more important is that if you love, you wanted to love what you did, you wanted to love yep. where you had to go every day because yep. you needed to bring home the bacon. And it's not that I had to love where I was going. I wanted it to be different. Because oh. I enjoy going to Michigan for like Thanksgiving sometimes. Yeah. And I hate Michigan. <laughs> but I can go there knowing I don't yeah. have to be tied to it. Mm -hmm. and, and nothing against people from Michigan or even Michigan itself. Right. But Michigan come November gets a sheet put over it. Yeah. And it's gray. And there's yeah. no definition. Yeah. And that stays from November to May. Yeah. And you'll just want to blow your brains out. <laughs> but to go back there... <laughs> And to look at it, it's just like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, so bad, yeah. You know, it's like the yeah. rust and the the cloudiness and the rain and the yeah. The, for that time of the year to go back there, it's like it's like you're everywhere is a car wreck that you're driving by that's horrible and yeah. sad. But you're like, no, I'm not bothered by that. You know, yeah, it's weird. But our but that we're built by our experiences, how we were raised. I mean, yeah. this is all a piece of who you are, who I am. You know, whether we've grown from it, branched out from it, 
change directions. Our paths are, you know, uniquely our own. And I think that, you know, that probably, it reflects probably in your work. I would think it must. It would have to. The, the thing that's reflected in my work in so many ways is the, the year I spent working at a pallet factory and my time spent in Michigan. Uh-huh. These, these are two things that they're not failures in my life, but they're very, very dark times that, mm -hmm. that, uh, stoke the fire. Yeah. We'll say it's like, yeah, do whatever you have to do to not be there. Yeah. And motivate yourself how you got to motivate yourself. You know, yeah. it, if I have a job where I get a consistent paycheck, I'm immediately a bad employee. Yeah. Why, why am I going to do more or less work and get the same amount of money? And like, I, I have a hard time finding motivation in it. Yeah. I need to be on the line. It needs to be risk and my reputation. Yeah. And I need to be on that sharpest thing of like, you like, I, there's a degree of like, I want to set out to sail across the Atlantic, very unprepared and, and to say, all right, you've got to be so incredibly resourceful to, to yeah. accomplish this. That's like invigorating to me. But isn't there a certain amount of ego in what we do? Yeah, uh, a little bit. I that, mean, it's that's like you an know, interesting thing. Okay, I, I it's I I see that. How in, so? Um, because if I were to define ego, it's like it is. It's a self. It's a yeah. self belief. It's like a you know, I can do this. Uh -huh. I'm good enough. I'm you know, you have to. We certainly have enough shame in our life and in our world, you know, so. You grew up Catholic? To, oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have as much shame. <laughs> this oh, is yeah. what I've heard. I don't. Yeah. Yes. No, it's it's true. It's true. But but in going through all of that, you know, and overcoming it. Yeah. You know, I do think there's a little bit of, there. you know, to remain on your level and on your game, there is a certain amount of ego that does exist, I think. Okay. So. I, I think I agree with you. The problem is in the last, so I went through losing my faith that um, has been like the best thing for me ever. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a very intentional, I, I, I didn't just walk away, I faced it and mm -hmm. dismantled it. Mm -hmm. And I've kept the parts that I think are valuable. Mm -hmm. I've kept the parts that I think are true. Mm -hmm. And I've had to let the, the human additive. I just had to let that go. Yeah. Um, and I've also had to work on not having that emotional resentment towards mm -hmm. those who remain or even the system in general. And mm -hmm. I've had to see it for what it serves for the needs of those people and to, when appropriate and not hurtful, say my piece if it's appropriate yeah. in, in dissent or whatever else. And that's a, that's a hard line to walk. Um, yeah. But that that thing of ego the like what I was describing earlier with the, the conflict of who I was and what it was doing to my wife mm. and my family, that was a real confrontation with ego for mm -hmm. me in, in my personal life. And I mm -hmm. think I'm, I'm very, very oriented towards very close personal relationships. That's mm -hmm. why conversations like this mean everything to me. Mm -hmm. uh, how you doing? Weather? Great. See ya. Yeah. I, I just don't have time for it. It's right. so useless in, in my, I know it's useful for people who are wired differently. Yeah. It's not for me. It's right. only anxiety and I got to get out of there yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But in, in losing faith and then dealing with that, 
there, there's something that I came to understand my ego in some way and that it didn't have to be there. I didn't have to protect this thing that didn't really exist. Mm -hmm. I had to be open to like, what is the truth and how do I relate to it? And the ego just, if, if I'm putting my desires and my ego in front of truth, mm -hmm. then I'm, I, I call that sin now. Mm -hmm. So if, mm. if I have a manipulation that I want what is actually true to end up towards an end that serves me rather mm -hmm. than being true to what this should be, mm -hmm. I see that as like that, that's where I don't want to go. So if someone can point out something that I'm doing wrong or mm -hmm. selfishly, I'm, I'm telling myself that's an incredibly valuable thing. And I don't have to worry about, I can just accept that and say, oh, you sure? Because I think this and I think that. Oh, you okay? I see what you say there, mm -hmm. and I see. Oh, well, yeah, mate, okay, all right. I'm gonna let that part of me go because that's mm -hmm. not serving any. Like, if I if I keep working everything towards protecting self, 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 mm -hmm. that to me that feels like that ego. Mm -hmm. Um, when I'm when I interact things with things and move forward, understanding that. I do believe there's truth outside of us that we have the responsibility to relate to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that it's, you know, a male God with a penis that's in the sky that, <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. saying that there's truth outside of us and that's as far as I take it anymore. Yeah. And for that to be God or anything else, my, my definition of God is truth and relationship. Yeah. Honestly working together that, mm -hmm. and if that projects into Jesus, Joseph, Mary, and the saints, that, mm -hmm. that is not for me to determine. It, mm -hmm. If I let those things come too close to my psychology, they become distorted mm -hmm. and perverted by my desires. And I start to see things in that interpretation that I want to be there and man manipulates truth to potentially my own ends, sin. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to go there. But that, that realizing that for somehow for me dismantled that ego, that mm -hmm. desire to protect reputation mm -hmm. um I'll, I'll say my feelings my truth and what i believe yeah. is true but i have to accept when it's not yeah and and i have to realize the desire to not accept truth as a misleading thing mm -hmm. so to not have that thing in front of you and to be able to put that to bed for me the creativity starts to become so much more mm -hmm. accessible um and, and there's not this fear mixed within that because mm -hmm. to me it's full-on fear when i see that better image of that bathroom yeah and now i look at it and I say the truth is he he did a better job learn from it yeah and move on there's nothing else you can do yeah and how many people saw that image and mine and compared them you know maybe a few clients that uh you know produce that tub or that faucet or mm -hmm. something and yeah. That's not the only action interaction I'm ever going to have with potentially making that a client or anything else. So it's, yeah, there's, there's a degree of just like cliche, letting those things go and accepting that there's truth and the ability to relate to it. And for me, that's been the most freeing and I've watched people around me change their defensiveness or posture towards me because mm -hmm. of it. And yeah. to, to see the defensiveness in people drop as mm -hmm. a response to how you conduct yourself is a yeah. very positive feedback. Yeah. And so that thing of ego, I, I don't know what it is as much as I can describe it in that yeah. 
that very long tirade. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> but it in having to struggle with that, realizing who I am and it's not the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And dismantling faith, but not simply walking away from it to turn and face it and to put my full effort mm -hmm. into refining it, because that's my that is my call as an open mm -hmm. disposition is to say, yeah, I think critically about things. I have to be careful who I apply it to, because not everyone wants to interact mm -hmm. in that way. I love people who can just be like, uh, this is wrong and I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. OK, why? Yeah. You know, this is going to be yeah. a great conversation if they're opening open to actually articulating why they think that. Yeah. And the people that I work with, most of them that I get along really well with are of that just very, not brash, but very direct. Yeah. And that's like, oh, all the cards are on the table. We're not hiding anything and you're not trying to pat me on the back. We're just, we're getting towards truth here. That's yeah. great. I yeah. love that. So working with people like Carol Wilson, all the times I've worked with her is just so interesting because she's she's there's no meat on it or yeah. there's no fat on it it's just all yeah. like yeah this is great or yeah ah, no let's let's keep working or yeah you know and it's just you know exactly where you stand yeah. and i just feel so comfortable in that and i don't necessarily know why but it's it always brings the best out of me in in feeling like there there's no pretense in a way oh yeah well you're just getting down to business and right getting it you know i mean I think that that would save a lot of time in a day if we didn't have to have right. all this doubt and, you know, if we right. could just all be so to direct and to the point, you know, I mean. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> the, but there, yeah, it, I find that the creative types that can handle the directness, because I think with creativity become, there comes creative in the, typical yeah. sense. I think there naturally comes with it. A, our friend that we were talking about coming up the stairs. Um, there comes a rawness of emotion mm -hmm. or a, a rawness of openness that can be very caustic to the individual that holds yeah. it. Yeah. So even for me, I, I can be very sensitive and I, I build up a lot of defenses mm -hmm. to not have to experience that. Yeah. And I see that in my youngest son. He like, up to the edge of four, the most sensitive, just soft, like yeah. endearing child, far more than our older kid. Um, <laughs> I say that like the older one's a cast off, like the older <laughs> one. But, you know, he's just, but at this age, at 10 years old, he's built up the walls and the, and the yeah. determination and the everything else. And that, that warmth and openness mm -hmm. and love is no longer visible in him like it was. Yeah. And that's hard to see, but I also understand it. So I at least have the ability to know it's there and why it's not there mm -hmm. and to try and um, to try and to act out as an example for him, the ways that you can interact with the world so you don't have to have those things there. So you can yeah. still be that person. That, yeah, you don't want them to lose their purity and the way they yeah. look at the world. And because it is, it's I mean, it's difficult now. It's School inevitable for with kids, everyone, oh, I imagine. Oh, my God. It's it's different, different than when you were there, different, much more different than when I was there. Right. And, um, and it was hard when I was there. I can't imagine what it's like now with social media and everything else. Our kids don't have any phones or anything. Oh, so. well, they're still in the stone age. Yeah. There's, <laughs> but maybe everyone around them does. And it could be, you know, 
Yeah. Well, they're homeschooled. So. Oh, oh, they. <laughs> well then. I love that reaction. Yeah, I was like, Ooh. oh my god. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, good for you. Well, my not god. me. My wife does it. So. Oh my god, yeah. that's that's a lot of work. That's an undertaking. It's yeah, a lot of undertaking, a lot of work. To me, it feels like a risk because it's not normal. They've left the established wall of order of yeah. everyone goes to school and yeah. they're out here in chaos. Like mm-hmm. maybe they'll succeed or maybe they'll be completely unable to identify and interact with people when they're 16. Yeah. Who knows? Um, so that's that's a creative side of me that I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> but it it's not that I'm not comfortable with it. It's just like it's an unknown. I know it's yeah. an unknown. So it's a known unknown. Yeah. That but you're making a choice and. Probably for all the right reasons. So I don't know how much of a choice I have in it at this point. But (laughs) there's also the selfish part of me. We can just leave for like three months in the winter. Yeah. And it's fine. So I kind of what they learn from you guys doing trips and stuff like that would be is that that's my idea. Is they won't learn that in a classroom. Right. Yeah. And there's so much that they get to do and learn and be a part of that that they couldn't. And yeah. So that's a yeah. That's something. So let's hit these other questions as well here. <laughs> and you have to, you, what time do you need to take off here? It's 12.02 currently. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I have a okay. few more minutes. Question number one. Yeah. Many people listening right now have seen your work without perhaps realizing it. I'm assuming, or we're assuming that anyone's listening, but that's fine. <laughs> Can you tell us about some of the local restaurants you've designed? What is the general feeling you want to evoke when customers enter these spaces? I did not know you've done restaurants. Tell me about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, restaurants are a great application of what you do, yeah, too. Yeah, we, we just that. opened a new one in, in Falmouth okay. called The Sicilian Table. Ooh. And it's, uh, but, how I get into restaurants is my my dad, my family is in okay. restaurant business. More recently, probably over the last twelve years, um, fifteen maybe, um, the Royal River Grill House, which is in Yarmouth, mm-hmm. the Tuscan Bistro, which is up in Freeport, and out by the mall, there's the Tuscan Table, and now the Sicilian Table. So, mm-hmm. and I loved I love doing restaurants. I love doing commercial because you can do. You can do bigger, you know, more interesting um, spaces, probably for me more contemporary than I would normally do. But hmm. and then it's just a totally different use of the space. I mean, this isn't something for people to live in and use lightly. These are heavily used These spaces. These are like hour yeah. to two hour moments that they interact yeah. with what you've yes. designed. So I, I'm. You know, I'm absolutely fascinated by doing it. I think it's probably one of the my favorite things to do now. Hmm. And I've only been doing it probably over the last 10 years, I, get, I think. Is, is yeah. there an essentially foundationally different interaction yeah. with doing commercial from residential that you can talk on? The process is similar, I would say, creatively speaking. Um, but, you know, what goes into it is... A little more. I'm so familiar with building homes and and residential use. The codes and everything is uh, very different in mm. commercial applications. Right. So it's um, a little more complicated. I had the learning curve there on some of that. But um, the goal is still the same. I want to create a space where people want to linger mm. and be in and return to. Have if you it's ever not been their home. in an airstream? 
like a newer one? I have. Nice yeah. One? Yeah. I've experienced with, because I, I, I have an Airstream trailer now and this is the first time I've experienced exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. Anyone that gets inside of there lingers. Yeah. Be and I don't know, I keep trying to figure it out, but I think it's something to do with, I mean, first of all, it's a very pretty space in the end. Yeah. Like we have the, it's got like the big L shaped thing and a table and yeah. round windows and like the entry part of it. It's just like, Ooh. Yeah. And, my wife went in there to show a friend and they were just going to look at it for like two minutes and walk out. Yeah. Four hours later, they just, they sat and this down. happens yeah. again and yeah. again and again with this one space. Yeah. And I'm trying to like, there's some kind of, there's gotta be some kind of way to articulate and, uh, and refine down to like, because of the curved walls, because yeah. of the different surface, because of the curved glass, be that, this space is so unique. It's something they haven't experienced and it balances this weird line of yeah. comfort and tightness and but airiness yeah. that yeah. once people get in it, they're kind of like, I'm just going to talk for a bit. Yeah. You know? Well, it's it, probably all the above. I mean, it's like it, it's, I think that that's an A, if you're going to travel in an airstream, being that it's such limited space, you're going to want to like, being in it. it it's so nice yeah so <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. by far the most in love i've been with any material object uh, ever it's just like yeah you go and it's yeah all right that's good yeah stay here yeah but yeah it it has that same effect on most everyone they just come in and yeah. then they just kind of a lot of times if you show someone something like that they'll kind yeah. of stand politely yeah and like this is really nice we're yeah. glad that you could do this okay yeah. and they leave <laughs> Or, you know, or there's more of like, if it's a restaurant or a home, there's mm -hmm. all these other different expectations yeah. of why you're there and how to uh, yeah. act within that space. Yeah. But with that one, it's usually someone's just kind of hanging out yeah. and it, it, it's like a fly trap. They yeah. just stay. The two of the four restaurants are in, like one's in the mall parking lot and now the newest one is out in the Shaw's Plaza in Falmouth. So so it's a great interior space. So the idea, yeah, right. The idea is to transport people when they go inside, right, you right. know, because, you know, the locations are convenient, but not always so appealing from mm -hmm. the outside. So that was, you know, challenging to draw people in, but then, you know, have them want to stay once right. they got there, you know. Yeah. To so it's, they're unexpected. To not be able to remember what's outside yeah. and yeah. like, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Question number two. Uh, how do you start your design process with your clients? I try to get to know them. I think that's the, you how do know. How you do that? Just like by talking. You know, I mean, usually I have them come to um, my studios on my property. So it's like inviting them to my home. You know, it's a barn on my property. And... I just want to get a feel for who they are if we, if we, you know, kind of jive, you know, I mean, I think you have to like each other to work on these mm -hmm. projects for such a long period of time. And right. I want to understand what their vision is for their home, you know, and then I don't usually say much about what I would do in the first meeting. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like, that's, it's really about them and what they want. And that's important for me to hear so I can understand and decide if I can deliver that. Right. You yeah. know, so it's. 
Yeah. So in, in my mind, I'm putting this through my filter that I now yeah. put everything through. And yes. it's like, well, how do you get to know your potential client if you want to work with them? Well, yeah. you enter into chaos. You relate to them. Yeah. And then from that, you kind of objectify into some form of articulate word truth, like I could work with this person. Yeah. And then we're going to make it really articulate and we're going to sign on some dotted lines. Yeah. It's kind of like there's this two part system yeah. that's always at work. And I've had to refine it over the years because I was not always good at selecting which clients would be best fitted for mm. me. And I think if there's any advice I'd give, it'd be like, um, where I'm at now in my career is not that I can be selective, you know, but it's that I really take the time to try to get to know these people to make sure that we're, we have this, it's a certain, they have to, I, I'm, I have to respect what they want out of their project mm -hmm. and they have to respect what what it's going to cost to have me bring right my entire team you know it's not just me it's there's a whole other infrastructure around me right that and it's just you know it's there's a fine line you know right. and oftentimes i can get a year into a project and it's it's only happened once and it happened this year so um, that you have to make this decision. And I, your intuition is so, always like, let your a client go. Or... Yeah. And your intuition tells you like in day one. Right. But learning how to listen to that <sighs> is like, yeah. And so a year into it, you're like, all right, I think what's <laughs> happening here is you're, yeah. you don't see my value. Right. Right. And so I think this is probably a good time for us to part ways. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I shut up my intuition because I'm cheap sometimes. <laughs> and like I yeah. I hired some people to do some things. And if I were in tune with my intuition, I would not have hired these people to do these things. Mm -hmm. And it's just yeah, at some point you're like, Yeah, I'm honing you just this. Ride this out. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> it's just honing that skill of listen, you've done it long. Learn listen to yourself. Huh. Believe in that message that's being that's fed hard. to you you're, you're you're having to listen to an inarticulate feeling yeah but it's just like uh but it is as real as the day is long yeah it is there yeah. i knew it and interesting i kept trying to like make it right throughout the whole process but in the end mm. the, the truth did prevail and i knew it you know it's like it's one of those things that and that's this year right 25 plus some odd years into it here i mean it's Huh. It's a constant, um, you're not always right. You will fail, you know? I mean, but there's no shame in failing. Yeah. Oh, there's there's yeah. so much to be learned in failing. Yeah. But that that's interesting because what you just said, like, is one of those things that you've been able to articulate and share with me. And yeah. now I'm able to take what you outlined and put these experiences in my life that of my life yeah into the outline that you just created with that sentence yeah and i'm like that's what happened there and yeah. i didn't listen to my intuition that was my intuition that moment yeah and i had suspicion and i had like a gut feeling that was like yeah. but the price was so low 
Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And I'm yeah. I'm so guilty of that yeah. so many times. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh number three. Uh oh, what are some red flags in dealing with clients for you? Like if if hypothetically, hypothetically hypothetical speaking. clients. Yeah. Um, like if a client XYZ, you know, like as a I think in this particular situation that I'm speaking of, um, the client um, out of on my contract, we talk about photography. Oh, getting access to be able to. Yeah, we talk yeah. about. And that was a sticking point. Mm. And they just didn't want it photographed. No, they wanted it photographed, oh. but wanted to own the photography oh. and control how it was used. And I know I was like, I mean, this is this is opening a whole other like camera. But I mean, it was one of those never before have I and I I can't even I can't even listen. You'd have a hard time hiring a photographer that would allow someone to own the photo. Me having to explain that. But then I thought to myself, if this is a sticking point, you know, and I did I we somehow worked around that after I explained that. I don't even own the photography. Hmm. You know, it's like it's, you know, it was just one of those things that um, if the client wants that much control, hmm. then then they don't want me. Right, right. And but I, I couldn't have put that into words. Right. Then, you know, they they want me to enhance their work. Or mm. the all the decisions they want to make, hmm. and that yeah. are, um, it's, you know, it's it's not them hiring me to do my job. Right. It was something else. So we're getting a lot of wind and light today, but <laughs> it's just what it is. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, because it, it's such a delicate dance between yeah. like the owner's obviously going to have preferences. Sure. Uh, yeah. and, and it's a combination of how to get to where you go. But yeah. when you feel like, no, I'm going to be in the lead and you will do as I, you know, and yeah. we'll sprinkle some Nicola in there somewhere. But, yeah. You know, that, that's so in essence, they wanted to use me for what I am valuable for, mm-hmm. but in the end, really not, not pay for it right. and not let me leave with anything. Right. And, huh. and so I... It all came out in the wash, but the red flags are there. There's always red flags when it's not going to be a good decision for you. The flag is there. It's right. learning how to see it, read it. Um, I always talk budget up front, just because you know get the get the ugly stuff out of the way. Right. You know the fun, the creative. If that I'm all ever comes. Selling a car. Yeah. I, I put all the bad things right at the beginning. Yeah. It's funny because I'll have people yeah. talking, like, you're really not trying to sell this. I'm like, no, no, it's reverse psychology. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is really all the things that are wrong with it. Yeah. And so you're going to trust me in that and yeah. not feel like you're buying a piece of junk. Yeah. You know how much junk is here. And there you go. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah. Uh, any material you love to use right now? It's <laughs> a power around quick questions. <laughs> um. Any material? 
Probably lighting. I, I think lighting is big right now. Window placement and reflective surfaces, colors that reflect, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and much- And lights themselves. I mean, it's lighting is, light in a space is huge. Mm. And so I am paying attention to that much more so. Especially after yesterday. Because we all live in our houses in the dark. And we lost, I know, we yeah. lost an hour. For like every evening now, mm-hmm. it's like lights on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But lighting is huge and not just in the end where because one of the reasons I do pay attention to it now is because when you when you shoot a space with natural light, mm. it that, comes that alive. Consistent color temperature. Yeah. And that just kind of the the infill of that key yeah. light being the sun and the bounce of all the light in there. And you just leave yeah. that shutter exposed for longer when you have that natural light look. Yeah. It's just like, yeah the depth of the textures and the shadowing and everything comes in that's yeah yeah it's important interesting us photographers have influenced you and stuff yeah (laughs) yeah uh let's see what is the most underrated room in a house besides the utility closet the most under um the powder room i think like the guest bathroom essentially yeah well like yeah yeah I, I have the most fun in powder rooms, I think. Why is that? Well, people don't think of it this way, but everyone that comes into your house probably uses it. And I think it's one of the most important spaces in that because it's, it's a private moment for your yes. guests. <laughs> yes. There's that. Yeah. And it's very into usually it's an intimate space. Right. But so much I've been layering powder rooms with because it's, you know. I mean, it's a bathroom, I realize, but there's no saying it couldn't be fun while you're sitting there, you know, I mean, give you something to look at. Yeah. So here's an incredibly good idea and you're free to use it. (laughs) I want to, in somehow, someday, I want to put like an actual airline bathroom in. Oh, wow. So it's like just out of the nowhere, you're like. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) Click, click. Yeah. You know, like as a powder, (laughs) it's just like everything you need right in that. How yeah. weird would that be? Like for yeah. me, it's so unexpected that it would just be a little, a yeah. little treat during the day that it's just that weird. Yeah, no, that's kind of funny though. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, when do you, when did you know you wanted to build and design homes? Um, pr- pretty early on, actually. Like, I mean, yeah, I I bought a a small property in Yarmouth and renovated it and I had a store. So it was my house and a store. And that's when I knew that I wanted to renovate homes. I didn't know I wanted to do it for a living at that point in time, but um, a woman, I, it was actually, it was uh, women's clothing, home accessories, it was that kind of thing. Right. And, um, and a woman came into my shop and she asked me to come to her house because she said she wants her house to feel like the inside of my store. And that's, yeah. And then, then I had a baby and then that became like, I needed to not be in retail. The hours Mm. didn't work for me and stuff. And so I went into interior design and Mm. that just that one woman, that one comment, you know, Mm. and she said, I love coming here because I can get a little something for myself and a little something for my soul, she said. And I was like, well, there must be something to that. So I, I put a little bit more attention to it. And that's a, that is a good origin story. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Like huh. totally. Interesting. So how how much do you think about or reflect on uh the advantages, disadvantages, uh uniqueness for you as a woman mm-hmm. doing what you do as a woman? Like has there been obvious advantages, obvious disadvantages? things that you wish weren't there that are there or things that you wish were there that aren't there. Yeah. I mean, I think to this day, and I think it's because probably because I'm a woman Mm -hmm. that, you know, people, they automatically just think decorator, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that, you know, we can build whole houses, general contract them, draw and design them. I have an architect on staff. I mean, we, you know, we do, we can do the whole thing. I am a I firm of that, all women. That and, perception, I think, would be gone in about 30 seconds. Because I remember yeah. the, I don't remember specifically the first time we interacted. Yeah. But I knew within the first 30 seconds, I was dealing with someone who had immense amounts of drive, vision, yeah. and was going to be accomplished no matter what. And there, there's a, you're an outlier in, mm-hmm. in not hugely, I'm not saying like, women can achieve. We yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying for yeah. the, there's like a 60-40 split uh-huh. between the differences between men and women mostly. And so just by that sense, you're yeah. you're a bit of an outlier in that. You're like, I've got this amount of identity of what I'm going to do that I'm going to accomplish myself. Yeah. It's just a little bit of an outlier in there. But then yeah. to be a business owner is another outlier. To be a successful business owner is another outlier. Mm-hmm. Um how much time and thought do you put into like, what is it about me that has made me able to, you know, pay for my daughter's schooling and drive a car and have a yeah. mortgage that I can pay, <laughs> you know, um, how much, how much do you consider that? It's, you know, I, I was raised in an entrepreneurial family. So, oh, okay. you know, um, you know, my mom stayed home with us and my dad worked and, but he, you know, he started a business and grew it and I, I watched mm-hmm. and, you and know, he didn't treat you in a way that was like, no, no, you should be staying home. And, and, no, and no. daddy does this. And no, no. He was like, yeah, little girl, you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he definitely, um, probably fostered that in me, the, the idea of being independent, strong enough to be able to do something that I was good at. and. Yeah turn it into something surround yourself with people that are good at what they do right you know that was his biggest thing did you always have the idea that you wanted to be your own boss and run your own thing or was that just something that came up out of necessity or no yeah i I didn't i didn't know that's what what my life would turn into my dad would tell you that i was probably (laughs) only because i worked for him for a summer and he goes why do I feel like I'm working for you? And I, <laughs> See? So yeah, and I didn't work for him the next summer, but he, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was born to lead and, you know, I mean, I, I was driven to lead, I think, hmm. you know, I mean, Interesting. I, I honestly, I'm, I can't imagine it any other way at this point, you know, this juncture, um yeah i mean i think it it's it's not been it's not been easy it's been you know i i had to make 
you know, sacrifices. I didn't homeschool my daughter. I would have loved to have spent that kind of time with her, you know, super hard, you know, but I mean, it's like you, you do, there are sacrifices that are, are made and you have to make those choices. But, um, yeah, for, for me, I, I never wanted to be a leader, but I would not be led. Yeah. Um, if no one else was leading, I would lead. Yeah. But I would certainly not. It's got to be a really specific person for me to yeah. follow long term. Yeah. Especially, I don't know that I'd ever be. I mean, if I was yeah. in the military, I'd be a sniper for sure. <laughs> well, and when I say lead, I mean, now that, you know, when when you have employees and stuff and you have to do reviews and Huge you have to hire there. and fire. This is just on top of the other stuff you got to do all day. Yeah. You know, I mean, inside of that, you also, it's a responsibility. So you are, you're, you're trying to lead these people to do their jobs better. Um, I usually, I hire a lot of young girls that are coming out of college. And then I am feeling like a little bit of a leader, more of a teacher, mm-hmm. but, you know, help them grow and move on and, you know, maybe have their own businesses someday but you you've uh, been nothing if not successful it seems so (laughs) if i'm saying that right (laughs) um let's see number six what underscores all of your work i know right you were raising your eyebrow uh what underscores i didn't come up with the question so i don't get to explain it (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to fully understand it. Underscore. What What would be the unifying principle between any Nicola Manganiello project? Let's reword it that way. Ah, okay. Um, I go back to that, my original comment on creating a space that people want to really live and linger. That, love. That comfort. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this sort of comfort, broken mm. in comfort and... Um, that they see themselves in for a long time. Right. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. How would a good friend describe your style? Oh, interesting. Trying to think of, I'm, I'm always self-referentializing things. Yes, I know. Cause but, you're, how would you, you, how do you think a friend would do uh, so many people say to me just like minimal simple yeah um whenever i'm interacting with like framing up a composition i'm eliminating as much as i can Mm -hmm. until it feels empty like Mm -hmm. okay we've we've gone too far now what Mm -hmm. adds just the right amount when we put it back in yeah um but both in lighting and styling i'm always gravitating towards just simple calm aesthetic yeah which, which you know minimalism yeah. to yeah. a large degree um <clears throat> and, and it's interesting like the stuff of yours that i've shot that minimalism comes through i think more so in in how i allow the lighting to affect compositions yeah. from what i can remember yeah it's more so very very much natural light and very light hand in adding in yeah any any lighting in that and to allow the the textures and the depth of a lot of the textures come yeah. out in the shadowing and everything yeah i think it's more so a, a minimalism in in lighting 
mm-hmm. when when I've interacted with your projects that gets so uh, not engrossing. What's the word? It feel like you fall into something and you can really envelop. feel. Yeah, envelop, yeah, envelop. Yeah. The you know just the shadowing on like an afghan or a, a tufted yeah. surface on a thing just have those repetitive shadows because yeah. it's a single directional light source and to not backfill those shadows too yeah. much. Yeah, I would say probably um, like a broken in elegance maybe might be. Ooh, I like that. You know, sort of. Yeah. Broken in elegance. I know. I know. If I had, yeah, I mean that, I've just heard, I've heard some friends say that. So yeah. it's not yeah. my own term. So. No, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. We're yeah. going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where do you find inspiration? Oh, everywhere. I mean, it's not hard these days. I mean, yeah, you know, Maine is is on. I mean, in my opinion, Maine is really on the way up as far as all oh, the yeah. huge influx of talent, but then also yeah. the, the the filter of like you're not getting away with that here. You're yeah. not getting away with that kind of behavior, that yeah. opulence, whatever. Yeah, there's also that the talent but also the what pre-exists here and yeah. the reasons it's here that speaks from the vernacular yeah. that quiets that other yeah. push i mean i think it's an exciting time in maine i think which is like both good and bad Always uh, is. you know um but people are seeing the the beauty and all that maine has to offer there's nowhere else on the east coast that yeah. i would be interested in being permanently like, yeah yeah. And I mean, even the West Coast geographically yeah. is amazing, but it's too many people, too many. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was, I grew up here. I was born in Portland and lived in Yarmouth my whole life. I still do. So it's a testament to, you know, and I've Spring traveled. Power of Maine. Yeah. And uh, I love coming home. Well, that happens to a lot of kids that grow up in Maine is they're like, get me out of here. Yeah. And in their sure. 30s, they're like, get me back there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this has been uh, really uh, engrossing, and, and that's a good word, right? <laughs> this, it's been, it, it's, you've uh, turned on a lot of, uh, and made a lot of connections in my mind. Okay. Uh, from all the stuff you've shared, and it's been really, really nice talking to you. It, uh, I got to know a potential, or, you know, an existing client, we'll call you. Yeah. Uh, and there's that, like, oh, I enjoy talking to this person. Yeah. Kind of feeling to you. You, towards you, so. There's, there's some people that are just, you, you try and dig below the surface a bit and they'll kind of blank. Like, eh, yeah. Yeah. I have nothing to add to that. Yeah. <laughs> and then other people are like, oh, I've been struggling with that. That's weird. Yeah. It, it, but yeah, that, yeah. that long winded inarticulate sentence is a compliment. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but anyways, thank you so much for uh, coming down to Bitterford. And uh, thank you for uh, the work that you're doing, contributing to the environment. Maine. Thank you. You've really got your your finger on the pulse of that like vernacular and your taste coming together and producing that that uh that I think is is you know, I think it was you said your dad was saying like, yeah. well, there's these houses with white and black trim and yeah, what are you gonna do now? Well, like you formed like part of the new vernacular of Maine yeah. that has become has come to be known as as Maine which is like, yeah it's a big accomplishment you yeah. know you had a hand yeah. in in forming the new 
um, identity of Maine in many ways in yeah. the design field. So, well, I love knowing that there'll be something here when I'm gone that yeah. I did. So, yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll stand for a long time and hopefully the beauty embodied in them will make them that sustainable. Yeah. That, that beauty in it is, uh, speaks of the people that put those things there and the values that they had to put them there. And hopefully that's yeah. the inarticulate way of passing on our values to the next generations and everything yeah. to come. So I always hide a set of plans in each of my houses. Oh, really? Yeah. And the Newell post of the houses Oh, cool. and I sign them and just because, you know, that's going to be demoed someday, you know, and someday. somebody right. will find it and that'll be a cool moment. They'll oh, see how it was done. Yeah. We found, we found Nazi coins in a wall that oh my we um, demoed. Uh, so Caleb Johnson, his, his Whoa. first house, I think I'm getting this right. His first house here in Biddeford, he got it for like 40,000. I helped him like demo the walls and everything else. That's... And we're, and people, when they would build or renovate, they'd put coins in the walls for good luck. And there was like these, they just happened to have some German coins that at the time, they, they weren't like Nazis. They were just, right. oh, it the just Nazi party. The, yeah, right, before right. Before they right. were like evil, uh, wow. which I guess they were evil at the time, but hadn't really committed yeah, right. <laughs> to the public persona yeah, of yeah. murdering millions of people because yeah. of their race and all that. But Oh my God. And also down here in the North Dam Mill, they bought a bunch of uh, pipes and everything else Germany before the war and so if you go down into the basement you see all these pipes with swastikas and stuff on oh them. my it's god kind of, isn't that fascinating ooh. yeah it's weird yeah weird stuff but yeah and then like when you demo you find like people like write stuff yeah, on yeah. the walls and, yeah. and all that too. yeah whatever but anyways thank you for coming down and uh really enjoyed talking with you thank you for the work you do and uh look for nicola's uh article in the i think march april april march uh issue 2023 of main home design right. check it out